Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 165. And this week it is Terry's turn to share something. Terry, what do you have? Well, Daisy. I went in search of something new this week, and that's right. I found a topic that I think you and I will enjoy talking about. Um, It wasn't particularly a content-dense episode, and sometimes those are even (laughs) more fun to do because one of us is not feeling pressured to share a whole bunch of information, but it's from a podcast called Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin. And she is a therapist who lives on a boat in the Florida Keys, which sounds quite lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the topic that I thought you and I might enjoy talking about is called Furry Friends, Happy Minds. (laughs) The Surprising Ways Pets Boost Your Mental Health with veterinarian Dr. Doug Mader. Or maybe the unsurprising ways. We shall see. (laughs) Correct. Probably not surprising for the two of us. Um, so the two started talking, you know, talked a little bit about his history with being a veterinarian. He is not only a veterinarian of common house pets like dogs and cats and birds and things, but all kinds of exotic animals. He has certification in all kinds of things. And now that he's in the Florida Keys, he takes care of alligators in the swamps and wow. the deer in the Keys, all, all kinds of things. But very kind of interesting background. And she shared some background. Um, I think they actually met because she had a cat that she had taken to him and her cat died when it was 19 and, and he was a part of that. So they did talk about the grieving and losing pets. But when she started talking about why she was bringing this up as far as, you know, as a therapist and helping people, she's written books about mental strength and things. So people might wonder, why is she focusing on pets? And she talked about one of her friends who is in addiction recovery, you know, helping people, he's a therapist, helping people recover from addictions, talked about the importance and one of his big suggestions in his list of things people could be doing to feel better and to change their addictive habits. One of them that he almost always recommends is to get a dog. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. So at any level, they talked about the fact that having a pet, connecting with a pet, touching a pet, petting a pet, that it one gives us a sense of connection, which most of us need. And particularly, I think after COVID, we find this more and more the case. But the reality is that having a pet can increase your levels of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. All of these are, you know, chemicals that help us to feel good, to feel calm, and also decreased levels of cortisol. So I think it's really important, you know, people who might kind of poo-poo a little bit, people looking for a pet or having a pet, to think about chemically what we're doing to help ourselves And the guest, the veterinarian guest talked about the idea that he quoted something like 90 some percent of people who have pets report these benefits. And also the 
American Veterinary Association or something did some research and found that 30 to 40% of pet owners actually see their pets as a a child surrogate, like that they Mm -hmm. see their dog or cat or bird or whatever as their child. And I thought that was really interesting. I know you and I talk a lot about that, um, but that it's, it's really common. And so kind of, again, emphasizing the role that pets play in our lives, in our mental health, in our relational kind of way of navigating things. So they talked about how is it that getting a dog could help with something like depression? And as a therapist, she often recommends people connecting with a pet because it's a little bit of a social connection. It's also something that often creates other social opportunities. And I was thinking about how often I've heard you describe Mm. in the past couple of years since you've moved, how much you've connected with people because you've been at the park with your dogs and you've connected with other dog owners. You know their dogs, they they know your dogs, and then you become friends with them. Yeah, most of the people I've become friendly with are either other dog owners Mm -hmm. or even I I was laughing about one of my friends who I see a lot who isn't, but I met her. She lives opposite the gate where I enter into the dog park. And she, you know, she stopped me and said, hello, one day she recognized me from um, Facebook. But, you know, they're all pretty much everyone I know is linked to the dogs. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So it helps with our, our social connections, not only with the animal, but with other people. And I always think, you know, I, I judge people on how they feel about dogs. So you, you've got that automatic thing with, with anyone you meet that they're, they already tick one box, mm-hmm. one of your boxes that they're going to be someone you potentially get on with because they also have a dog that they love. <laughs> That's right. She mentioned specifically in talking about the effects of dogs for people that for many people, like with depression or something, it gets you outside. So all of the benefits of getting outside, the Mm. sunlight and fresh air and all of those things, it also makes you get up. It makes you get out of the house. It makes you go and do and, and kind of have a routine. It also, for many people, provides a sense of purpose. And I remember a person very close to me who was experiencing suicidality and was really struggling with that, but had several pets. And I really believe that for a while it was knowing that they were responsible for caring for these pets that gave them a, a reason to keep living. Yeah. And you know, so if you think of when you get to that dark of a place, a pet can really make a difference. It was something for her to hold on to, a reason mm. to stick around. And I think that's really important. The veterinarian also talked about the many studies that show petting a pet. Now, this might not work so well with your pet iguana or something, but petting an animal, the effects of lowering blood pressure and heart rate, how important that is. And, you know, hypertension is one of the biggest health problems that many cultures and countries face, what an important thing to be able to lower that risk um, having a pet. Also talked about anxiety. Again, all of these chemical responses and helping with the anxiety, but also 
focusing on something else other than your anxiety can help you get out of the anxiety. So Mm. focusing on what's the pet doing right now? What do you need to do to take care of the pet? Do you need to get any supplies for the pet? So I think those are important things. They talked a little bit about support animals and, and they talked about the kind of debate right now about people keeping what type of animal and claiming it as a support animal. And interestingly, he said dogs and horses are actually the most effective support animals. However, miniature horses have been banned from being on an airplane. So <laughs> I, I encourage people not to go out and do that. But but they did talk about the idea that um, you know suddenly everyone just started calling any animal that they had a support animal and, and that that kind of made the the support animal practice a little more complicated to navigate and to regulate. But, you know, horses are very intuitive. They can read you, you know, that's why we have someone like called the horse whisperer. Like yeah. it's, they can really intuit your feelings. And they talked about pets in general and animals in general, that they do have feelings. And, you know, someone eventually came out, some PhD said, oh, we have now found that dogs have emotions. And he's like, you only have to ask any pet owner and they can tell you, (laughs) of course, the animal has emotions. So they talked a little bit about, you know, since they're kind of talking up getting a pet or having a pet, when is it not maybe the best thing for someone to have a pet or what type of pet? They really encourage that if if you're considering getting a pet or if you're considering getting a pet for someone, that one thing to check out is, are they or are you able to be responsible for the pet? You know, for example, if you work a job where you're gone 12 hours a day and basically come home and go to bed, probably a puppy would not be a good choice, but maybe a hermit crab. And they talked a lot <laughs> about hermit crabs, and I'll say a little bit more about that in the future, but they don't require a lot of attention. Um, and so testing out kind of the ability, the feasibility of having the responsibility for whatever kind of pet. Does this pet, this animal fit within a lifestyle that you're willing to do? Again, if if I want to get a puppy, I can't be gone super long hours, or I need to get someone who can come in and, and train them during the day or take them out during the day, or I need a mechanism. So it's really important for people to think about their own lifestyle and how does that fit the needs of that particular type of animal. He used the example, you know, if you had an elderly parent that you really thought would benefit from having a pet, maybe a Rottweiler might not be the best gift to get them, um, but maybe a bird or a hermit crab. (laughs) Um, So just thinking about that. And also, um, I think they didn't talk about this, but I think one of the important things to consider if you're going to get a, a pet is cost. Mm. Not only the original purchase, you know, I'm guessing a hermit crab does not cost very much, but you know, how expensive are they for upkeep? Dogs require a lot of expense for upkeep and cats and things. So just thinking about the long-term expense and whether you can accommodate that. They also talked about for people who can't accommodate a pet, maybe based on their living arrangement or their personal health or whatnot, that they could also maybe do some volunteering. 
They could visit places where there are animals. You know, there are cat cafes. If you really like cats, maybe you could go sit there and pet other people's cats or go to a dog park and watch the other dogs and, and interact or volunteer at a shelter and walk some dogs or hang out with some animals. But it doesn't have to be that you have to own them. The other thing I thought, she mentioned this later, but I thought this was fascinating. You know, those pet videos that you and I like to send to each other, Daisy? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, they can actually help improve mental health and increase productivity. So I feel a lot less guilty now <laughs> of all the Frenchie videos that I find and send to you. I'm actually helping both your and my mental health and our productivity. <laughs> I have several friends that I send them many videos a day of funny animal videos, but actually that that can be helpful. So you don't have to own a pet in order for this to be helpful. They then talked a little bit about how to know what kind of pet to get. So we talked a little bit about how much time and energy do they take? How expensive? What's the upkeep like? Another thing to think about is how long do they live? And one of the unfortunate things of dogs is that they don't live very long or cats. They don't live long enough for many of us. But do you know how long a hermit crab lives, Daisy? I'm going to guess from the way the conversation is heading, it's going to be one of these things that lives forever, like parrots can live for 100 years. <laughs> they didn't mention that long, but 25 to 30 years if they're well taken wow. care of. Now, as a kid, I had hermit crabs and mine never lasted that long, but 25 to 30 years. So again, low maintenance. And then they went into some more details again. It's like tortoises, isn't it? You have to you have to get them shells. You inherit them because they go mm -hmm. on for but they go on for so long that they get passed mm -hmm. down generations. There are even hermit crab clubs. You can purchase new shells. Some people really get into that. It's kind of like buying clothes for your dog. It's like which shell am I going to buy for my hermit crab? They're low maintenance and they don't have a lot of space needs. So again, someone who might be living in an assisted care living arrangement can maybe have a hermit crab though they probably shouldn't have maybe a cat or a dog based on those needs. Yes, they're actually quite interesting, hermit crabs. Funnily enough, it brings to mind a book on Audible that I was listening to recently called The Golden Mole. And they talk about lots of interesting aminals. That's what we used to say when uh, my, my sister used to pronounce animals, aminals. <laughs> um, but they concentrate on a different animal for each chapter. And there is a chapter on hermit crabs and there were some interesting facts about them. And one of the things I remembered, it just brought to mind when you said about getting them new shells, one that they actually often end up using other strange things for shells like coconut shells and all sorts of different things. They don't necessarily use hermit crab shells. They use other things as shells. But they were saying they have this thing where when they find an empty shell, Apparently, someone comes along and sees if it's a good fit. And if it isn't, they kind of join hands, as it were, or pincers. I can't remember exactly the terminology. But they link up with a load of other hermit crabs and they order themselves in size order. So they sort of try this shell and whoever finds it's the right size shell for them takes the new shell but then because they're all ordered in size, they then pass down their shell. So the one that's upgrading to this new one passes their shell to the next crab and so on and so forth down this line. 
fascinating really good book i recommend it but they did have a chapter on hermit crabs <laughs> who knew we would ever do a podcast episode focused primarily on hermit, on crabs. hermit crabs that's right that's right i didn't really know you could keep them as pets obviously they can be very popular as pets so to wrap up their interview or actually after their interview amy morin the woman who whose podcast this is, she just kind of goes back and summarizes before she finishes out the episode. And she talked about some of the value of having a pet. She talked about the idea of how they can curb loneliness, the chemical pieces that we talked about earlier. There's actually been some research that kids with autism who read to dogs actually improve their social skills. And anxiety in kids is reduced when petting farm animals. So I think about so many elementary schools here in the U.S. One of the trips that you take is, you know, to a petting zoo or parents taking their kids to petting zoos. But the fact that that can actually help reduce anxiety, I thought was interesting. Mm. And then she just highlighted again the importance of researching the needs of an animal and the ability of you or the other person that you might be getting an animal for that they can accommodate the needs of that kind of animal. And that also, even if you can't have a pet, there are lots of ways you can have interaction with animals to get all of these benefits. And maybe we'll share a good pet video um, in our link to help people to benefit. Yes. And I, th I think depending on the animals you've chosen, intentional use of the plural there. I, I don't think I've had a single animal for a long, long time. But you do have to, to a certain extent, think about life decisions. You have to really take them into account. I mean, there were some, there were deal breakers. When I moved back to the UK, there were deal breakers about where I could live. You know, it had to have a garden and that garden had to be fensible. It had to be, you know, I had to be able to secure it. And it wasn't something that I could share. I had to be able to, you know, let my dogs out somewhere that they were going to be safe. I had things changed in the lease. There was some, you know, dodgy part of the lease that the way it was worded, it was a real old lease. Often they have these archaic parts to them. And it was such vague language, but it basically boiled down to the fact that it could be read as if someone made a complaint, I could be made to get rid of my dogs. And that was a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can't change this clause in the lease, you know, sales off. So, yeah, we often want once you take on that commitment, your life doesn't necessarily have to completely revolve around them. But you, yeah, it affects decisions that you make, jobs that you take various life decisions because mm -hmm. like you say you can't you can't suddenly go out to work all day I mean you can but you're going to have to put something in place to make sure that they're taken care of it's a great point I I have been tempted for a couple of years now wanting to live a little bit of a nomadic life go somewhere live there for a month and then go somewhere else and experience that but that's really hard to do with dogs especially I want to go I want to go spend a couple of months in Argentina and then in Spain or somewhere else. And, you know, you can't just uproot a dog and, like you said, finding a place where you can live with them and their care and everything that factors into those decisions. Mm. So um, I do think for a lot of people, 
assessing what the animal's needs are is also what lifestyle will you live having that pet? And again, some animals don't affect your lifestyle greatly. I used to have cats before I had dogs and I love cats, but they were so much easier. You know, I didn't have to be there at certain times of the day to feed them. My, my cats could pretty safely feed themselves. Yeah, same. You know, if I go and stay at my mom's overnight or something, I can just leave leave the food because they're indoor outdoor cats they can they can come and go as they want and yeah I can leave them up for up to a few days and they just fend for themselves that worked well for me until the one time that I came home and couldn't find my cat and wondered where she was and started calling her and I could hear her but I couldn't see her before I had left I had shut her in the closet so she spent a long weekend Uh in the closet with no food no water and no litter box. Not my best pet pet parenting moment. No. (laughs) But no, I think we are both very firmly dog people. I'm not not a cat person, as I'm sure some of the listeners will know. I do have cats as well. As I can attest to, because I can see a cat climbing around behind you. can see (laughs) one of them at the moment and they occasionally meow very loudly. But yes, I think think dogs in particular, because you do have to structure your day to a certain extent with them in mind. You know, they are creatures of routine. I, I always love, mine are always, mine have always been very good. You know, other people talk about, yeah, I have to get up at a certain time because the dogs make me. Mine are actually very good at fitting into whatever routine I give them. But they do love it when we have a certain routine. And the more routine we have, the more they do start nagging me. Like there's, you know, we get to sort of between that eight, half eight slot in the morning, they're looking at me now like, 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 come on, they're looking at their watches. Yeah, you know, we're usually out the door by now. Get on with it. <laughs> and when it's dinner time and things like that, they're, they're very amenable, but they, they do, you have to do things. You have to take them for a walk. You have to feed them. You have to, you know, give them some love and attention. And so from a from a mental health point of view, they really... And the benefits, I've often thought of them. I used to kind of call them, they're what kept the, I used to think of, you know, the depression as the, as the wolf. And they were, they were the, you know, my dogs who kept the wolf at the door. You know, they couldn't keep it away completely, but boy, did they help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the difference you see with a lot of homeless people and people living on the street who have dogs and there are now, so I don't know what it's like over there in the States, but here... There are lots of charities that help homeless people, help the homeless dogs, help the, you know, the dogs with them as well and help support the homeless people to keep their dogs. You know, there are shelters that they can go to and take their dogs because a lot of people will refuse to go. You know, if they're they're given a bed for a night at their shelter and they can't take their dog, well, I'm not coming then. You know, their dogs are everything to them. And I can... I can absolutely see why I can see how it will be the dogs that, you know, literally will keep them warm in the winter, but that will get them through. And yeah, I just down the road from me is a, um, is a drop-in day center where they do a meal every morning. And so I, I tend to walk past every day and there's at least one person there with the dogs. There are, there are lots of, Lots of homeless people around that have dogs. 
And I can just imagine that they're, you know, they're just as much everything to them. Absolutely. As they are to us. Absolutely. So as I said, I, I didn't think this would be one of those topics we wouldn't <laughs> enjoy talking about that we see very similarly. And I hope for any listener, if you have a pet, you continue to honor them for the benefits they bring you. And if you're someone who doesn't and you're interested, that you take some time to really research and weigh out what kind of pet might fit your life the best. And if you're someone who can't get a pet but is interested, don't forget to watch those videos and and visit some other people's pets. Yeah, and I like that it helps boost your productivity. (laughs) I'll start sending more, Daisy. (laughs) I do remember actually when one of my stays in hospital when I was feeling particularly miserable someone I'd come to rely on as a friend who'd who'd let me down big time so I went into hospital feeling really really not good and one of the ways I cheered myself up actually was to watch cute puppy videos and cute kitten videos and you can feel it you can feel it working mm-hmm. But I, I'm very aware in that moment, you know, we've talked about gratitude journals and the dogs have always been something that feature heavily in that. But I'm often very aware of those moments. Like I was in the park this morning, just, you know, just watching them playing and them making me laugh. And, you know, you, you can feel those chemicals that you were talking about coursing through your body when you're watching them and in, enjoying watching them play or them they're making you laugh or they come up and look at you with those puppy eyes and demand cuddles and yeah really powerful definitely definitely well before we sign off we are heading into august and we thought we would take a little bit of a podcast break or a podcast vacay as our friend Kim called it but we're going to take a bit of a break from recording new episodes for August but we will be choosing a couple of our favorite episodes each to to uh, to replay so you will have something to listen to every week very good and in that time you could search for your hermit crab yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm going to be Googling now and looking for videos on pet hermit crabs. Okay. Not that I'm I'm not inspired to get a hermit crab myself, but I want to look at other people who have pet hermit Check crabs. Check to see there may be a hermit crab club near you, Daisy. <laughs> there might. I won't be attending. I do have a little bit of a fear of crabs, so I'm not. <laughs> they're not quite up there with jellyfish, but they're not far behind. <laughs> All right. Well, take good care, everyone, and we will be back soon. Have a wonderful week, have a wonderful month, and we will be back with you before you know it. Bye, everyone. Bye.